It is the Anfield Wrap live on a Friday, looking ahead to a fantastic weekend of football. Uh, it is a weekend, by the way, where all the hits are hits. Unlike last weekend, when the televised games were somewhat of a nightmare, this weekend, every single one of them is absolutely splendid. But of course, the biggest one, and the game I would argue, which is the game with the most significance riding on it so far this season, takes place at the Emirates Arsenal versus Liverpool on Sunday at half past four. We're going to be talking about that. I've got with me Lizzie Doyle, Adam Smith and Belinda Barty. We're going to chat a little bit about the Rangers game. We're going to talk about Jurgen Klopp's press conference today and the idea that it's been seven years of Jurgen Klopp now. Seven years. If you are listening to this as a podcast, Dorothea, Dorothea Richtoff from Sober Spirit of Shankly joins John Gibbons to have a chat halfway through. But there's so much to get through, uh, both in terms of the Rangers game, uh, the results and the way in which the managers discussed that today and other bits and pieces that we will start off talking about Rangers. And in the press conference, Lizzie, he says what we could all see that effectively uh, Darwin was uh, in the game, he was involved, his touch was there. And as the manager said, he kept getting chances and he feels like there will be more to come from Darwin. We all expect there to be more to come. I and mean, my God, we paid all that money. We'd hope that there's more to come. But it's interesting he picks him and it's interesting the way in which he talks about him. It's interesting the way in which he backs into the hills. And I thought he was good against Rangers. I was surprised when people were acting like there was, there was meant to be something else there. I thought he was constantly involved and was a, was a pleasure to watch. Yeah, I thought he was really good to watch. I think his movement for me was the big thing with Rangers. And I think, especially in that system, the 4-2-3-1, I felt like it was finally starting to highlight him and sort of like what he was good at and gave us a little bit of a different option that I think we've absolutely not had the last few games. I mean, this this might tie back into a wider point, but for me, and especially in the Rangers game, when we did change to more of a flat 4-3-3 and when we've been playing the 4-3-3 the last few games is where I think we've actually fell down. So if, we, if we're if we now creating a system which can highlight and bring out the best in Nunes, then it can only be a good thing. And do, do you know what's on my head in? Is that like, I think people were talking about him in the build-up and maybe rightfully so because we haven't had a lot of evidence, but just talking about him as if he's just got a big head. You know, he, he's just useful for his, his, his lovely head. And it's like, well, well, no, we actually got to see the fact that he, he can move and he can get into spaces and get into, you know, diff, like say different spaces that maybe others might not have, have tried to exploit. And I think what everyone just needs to get used to is that it's a different way of playing and he is a different player than what we're used to and that's all right. It's lovely to have options. The lad's not going to be absolutely flying and be... I don't know what people expect them to be, maybe because with, with Mane going, did they expect... I, I really don't know. But I think we all just need to a little bit, be a bit open and patient and look at that Rangers game, I think, which come at the, you know, the perfect time and probably for Nunes as well. And just take positives from it. Like, obviously, we can critique. That's what we do as fans. And, you know, not everyone's perfect. But that was a that was a good performance. And the fact that the manager's highlighting it, I think, is is only a good thing. Only a good thing, Belinda. I I, I agree. And I think it, it it suggests that, you know, he's got he's got got what you from the footballer what he thought he would get. The other thing that struck me about Nunez uh, was how often he was taking taking chances early how lively he was in that regard. He wants to take the shot early. He wants to take the shot on. And I thought it was a performance just with 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 with, with a slab of real promise writ through mm-hmm. it, uh, which I think we could have done with seeing whether or not it's some sort of ongoing tactical shift is a little bit different. But I think it's what we could have done with seeing and we got to see it. Yeah, I think as well, like it's it's not so much just the 4-3-3 and changing that slightly, but also the the positions that Nunes was getting into in the sense that when we were playing with the 4-3-3 and Nunes was coming on for 10, 20 minutes, he was constantly picking up the ball on the on, on the wings uh, and in positions where he can't really 
do what he's good at and that's get shots away on goal and then hopefully one day that leads to goals. So I think when we played with this kind of two up top in a way and he had Jota as the one who could drop in slightly deeper and, and feed off of him, it just meant he had more more responsibility through the middle of the pitch and that could therefore mean he got into the better positions that we were talking about. So yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see where, where this kind of goes because, you know, it's it feels very different to be playing Rangers at home than the team top of the league away. So uh, I don't know I don't know how Klopp sticks or twists with the, with that midfield uh, in the sense that just going with two in midfield, but it, it's exciting. And this is what we wanted in the summer when we were saying, "Oh, signing Nunes is exciting because it's different." This is what this is what we meant. This is we we knew there could be an evolution on the cards in terms of how we play now. So yeah, uh, let's see let's see how this goes. It's striking to me, Adam, that a lot of what he's been used so far when he's appeared in games, and even when he when he starts from the outset against Palace, there's a lot of Liverpool expecting him to play with his back to goal. For me, you know, you look at the footballer that he is, and you look at the reality of where Liverpool's forwards have been, with the slight exception of Jota and arguably early periods of the career of, of, of Mane and Salah, you know, Liverpool's footballers, the three line up in attack, they tend to play a lot of football with their back to goal. You know, Mane was great at it second half of last season, but he offers you that from left wing. Salah does loads of stuff where he ends up back to goal. Firmino lives his life back to goal. We've got a fella here who's who's not that player, and and that's I think that's one of the things that will take a bit of getting used to. He doesn't want it with his back to goal. He wants it to run out, run onto all the time. He doesn't care where he runs onto it. He'll run onto it right wing. He'll run onto it left wing. He'll run onto it in the channels, and he'll run on it straight on goal. But that's where he wants it. He wants the ball ahead of him as much as possible, despite the fact that he's six foot three and has got wonderful Andy Carrollish vibes uh, in terms of his sheer level of physical attraction. Uh, in there, you know, but he's he's not that footballer who wants it back to goal. No, he's not. I think he can do it a little bit. I think it's not it's not something that I think he'll I think we'll develop it with him, Adam. That's yeah. the point over time. But I think right now the footballer he is wants this here. Yeah, very much so. And I, and I think that I I think part of the problem is it that it, it, we we it felt like we were starting to make changes to how we played to kind of accommodate him and and that way of playing and in a more as you say running onto things rather than back to goal kind of way without him in the team which which I think didn't help what's gone on uh, uh, you know so far this season where we haven't looked quite right I think part of that is because we were we were sort of playing in a system that was for somebody that wanted to run onto the balls but the fellow who wants to run onto the balls wasn't there so instead you had you know. We'd, we'd play Firmino, for example, who, as you say, is the most back-to-goal player that I think the club's maybe ever had. Yeah, I mean, it, it, which he makes sort of even more of a point of by all the no-look goals that he scored over the career of his. <laughs> if he wants to be like, I never want to look forward. Don't make me do that shit. So I think that, so with trying to accommodate Nunez in amongst all that has just kind of thrown everything slightly out of whack with him not actually being there. Um, and it's why I, 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 I completely agree with Belinda. I don't know quite what we're going to do this weekend but one thing I really want to do is I want to see him play because I really feel like getting him on the pitch consistently is going to start to help everybody just understand what it is we're trying to do moving on to that then Adam I mean we'll do the end first we'll come back and discuss our team I I hope I want him to pick Jota and Nunez uh, against Arsenal uh, and I want him to play Jota off the left I've him interchange with Nunez and Salah through the, Salah off the right I think he will go back to 4-3-3 and I bought part of my I you know I, I feel as though that could discombobulate Arsenal because I think the one thing they don't want is a lad who's 6 foot 3 
absolutely piling around the top end of the pitch, sprinting onto everything and looking for stuff to go direct. And that's that's what I think he gives us a big offer of this weekend, along with the way in which Arsenal play. Definitely. I think uh, there's always that thing. I, I, I want to say it was Sean Rogers who said it on, on the review loads of times of what do the opposition not want you to do? Because that's what you should do. And and that is very much I don't they don't want him to play. Basically, I think is the, is the short answer. Um, so I think you play him and you find a way to, as you say, get him get him running onto things. My only concern about making what we did at the weekend a kind of regular occurrence or, or a variation of that is how few changes it gives us. You know, when when you start with all of them, it means you can't bring any of them on. Um, and so, you 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 know, the, the change that you get from it is a a duller version of things like that. That almost wants to be there. OK, we've got 20 to go. When we That's why I'd like Diaz on the bench, off the bench on yeah. this one. I think Diaz off the bench is the one is the thing that grabs me and the idea that and, and he could come on in any of the th- if you play three up front, he can come on in any of the three positions and make it enormously different immediately. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. It, but then so I do completely agree. But at the same time, I find myself going. But I want, I want to watch him play though, because he's dead good. So, so it's it is that, you know, it's really tricky, isn't it? But that's, but yeah, I. So I think that we will go with something like that to give ourselves options. That was the only thing I thought when I saw the lineup of Rangers was if for some reason we struggle, the way that we change it is to make ourselves more boring, which is never good. Uh, we will come back around and talk about Arsenal setup uh, with Nunez at the centre of it and questions around the shape as well. Uh, other thing that we had in this one, Belinda, uh, the game against Rangers was Trent deeper which I think is actually the most marked difference from what you've seen so far from Liverpool. Elliot at times has been playing like an attacker uh, in the in, when it's been written down as 4-3-3, but he's been pretty close to making it look like 4-2-4 himself. I've felt at times Elliot Jota, obviously because the age of the footballer means you can't ignore the fact that it is an attacker in that position. But for me, what was interesting was Trent Alexander-Arnold was you know, seemed pretty close to his two centre-backs over the course of the game. He wasn't rampaging around the back uh, of anyone in front of him. Liverpool attacked with five, Shimikas being one, and then the front four. And it was Trent Alexander-Arnold playmaking from deep rather than attacking from deep, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I think we needed that. Just a, Or he needed that maybe, just a bit of a reset, a bit of a chance to just play the game, keep it simple, go back to just worrying about, you know, the the defensive sort of side of things, but then as well, obviously, trying to make the most of the, the, the playmaking ability he has, but at the same time, not being hell-bent on every time you get the ball, you have to make something, you have to play the perfect pass, and you have to bomb up the pitch. Uh, you know, you've got to make everything sort of come through Trent. You know, it, it was less of that. It was more, uh, like, can the, can the midfielders as well keep the ball and, and play some balls over the top without, without Fabinho playing Thiago and Henderson two more... I would say forward-minded midfielders because there's that one that Henderson plays over the top to Nunes, and that's probably the best way you feed Nunes with those with those types of passes through the through the line. So, yeah, it it, it was good for Trent, I think, to have that reset and um, re yeah refocus. Uh, so I, again, I don't know how that changes. Again, I think that's part of playing with the two midfield. You you can't afford to throw everybody forward in that sense. So I, I wonder now how that changes again on the weekend because Trent is arguably our game like one of our game changing players at times when he's on form we'll we'll see how it changes at the weekend Lizzie the other thing about this is obviously in no time at all after the weekend's game's finished they go back round to Rangers again now the manager was at pains to say it'll be different at Ibrox and it will be different at Ibrox we know that like we know what it is to have a big night and a big atmosphere that gets up and gets on top of a group of players that said it won't be 11 new Rangers players who are well better than that crew 
And I think that's, you know, in, in the back of Liverpool's minds, they've got to got to be, you know, looking looking at that one as an opportunity for three points. No matter what the crowd does, Liverpool should be beating that Rangers side in the in the return fixture. Yeah, it was it was it was clear as day how much better we are than them. And I think we knew that, but it was just so evident in every area, weren't it? I mean, you might see the odd few changes that Cholak will probably start, I imagine, and he's a bit of a handful. Um, I was looking at his stats the other week for work, and, you know, he's he, he for them, he's an absolute godsend. You know, he scored something like eight and eight, I think. Um, but for me, he was the only one that really, when he come on, seemed to, like, put himself about him. Again, I listened to the the sort of Scottish side of things because naturally, like all the media was around how big of an occasion this is and this, that and the other. It was interesting to hear how disappointed Rangers were actually within their performance. So they they expected to see so much more um, and they were deeply disappointed by by their performance at Anfield. And that goes that says to me that they're going to be bang up for it. I mean, we know they're going to be bang up for it at Ibrox, but there seems to be this added thing of they didn't show up at all and they haven't they haven't played you know, anywhere near like they have done this season, or even say last season, but obviously they, they lost a good couple of players after that Europa League run. So we know for a fact what they're going to be offering, but at the end of the day, weirdly that Ajax results, the, the Napoli Ajax results has probably helped us here in Liverpool. Need to grab that. They need to grab this one now, because if we get three points, that puts us on nine, meaning we probably only need a point from Ajax or Napoli. Now that is a great position to be in if we're okay with not winning the group. Um, it's a must win at the end of the day, and and I'd like to think they've. I think we'll have more than enough to get it over the line. Expect a big atmosphere, but one goal, one goal in the first 10, 15 minutes. Will, oh, just one goal, and if it's nil nil, one goal shuts them up, and, and it'll be sound. Changes everything. Uh, other thing that's interesting is the manager, seven years since he arrived, tomorrow uh, since he arrived at Anfield. Adam, listening to him today in the context of that, I was I was, I was, was sort of struck by how fresh he still manages to sound and his general demeanour. Listen, we've been pretty rubbish recently, you know what I mean? And we've talked about it a lot. But what's striking to me is his general demeanour, whilst the results haven't been coming, feels so, so, so different to the way it was during the COVID season. And I think part of his freshness is that he... he he puts himself into situations, you know, he's, he's got quite a, he's not, he, he's not really defences up or if he is the very clever defences, you know, the importance of his own sort of emotion and his, his collectivity in his worldview, not just football, I think remains a massive part of his appeal. And I was enjoying listening to him today and I just thought, wow, we've been listening to this fellow for seven years and at least where I'm concerned, the shtick hasn't gone stale yet. Mm. And I think I think emotion is is a word you use there, and it's just so important to him as a person and as a manager and everything that comes with that. And and obviously, when you reference the COVID season, we, there were there were no supporters, so we couldn't feed off the emotion of other people. He lost one of his parents, so he had his own emotional turmoil going on in amongst all that. There was so much going on then. The, the whole world, like we didn't have it. It. I think everyone's sort of forgotten that just how mad it was where we had no clue whether we'd ever get back into the ground like it felt like we would I know we were all like oh, of course we'll at some point but there was still that bit where you're like but it might not be the same like there might be you know every other seat might be sold or we, you know, we just didn't know what was going to happen and and he had all that as well as the kind of figurehead of a football club that was built on passion emotion and and the the relationship with the supporters so that that kind of he was drained he was so drained then and in many ways, we're going through, you know, or we've been through similar kind of things in terms of on the pitch stuff where it feels like he just 
almost hasn't been able to figure out what's going wrong. Like it felt like he couldn't figure out quite what was going wrong in, in the COVID season. And, and he's had a similar kind of thing now, except in that he was able to go, well, we've lost all our defenders. Like we're, we're playing, you know, supporters at center back. So it was like, it, that, that was sort of, that was a reason. Whereas now he's like, yeah, all right. The midfield's not perfect, but it's not like, we're, you know, we're not doing the same sort of thing there. What's going wrong. And I think almost him trying to figure out that is what's, what's given him the passion what's given him that thing to reignite him you know of that I need to figure I need to be the person to figure this out what's going wrong with Trent well let's just go back to basics I was honestly so pleased on uh, on Tuesday night seeing how we've just gone back to basics and that every time I looked up Trent was playing as an actual defender not some hybrid attacking winger striker weirdness that he was that he'd been doing previously I was so pleased with it with how dull it was the dull, I was so, like dullest <laughs> two nil you've ever seen I was delighted by it because that's what I felt we needed to do was get back to basics and he's done that and that's him figuring it out and being like fresh and kind of going, right, we'll go back to basics. But how do we go back to basics while still being really excited, you know, in terms of our attacking and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it, I, like it, he, he's still there because he's still got so much to, to sort of prove, I think, like with himself, hasn't he? Well, I think that's, I, I think all the way through the season, listening to him in these press conferences, Belinda, not just the one today, but repeatedly the way in which he's spoken about the idea of it being challenged that he wants a challenge, that he wants it to, that he wants it to be challenging, that, you know, we don't like the results, but this is where it gets interesting, is almost the way in which he framed it a couple of times. And again, that just feels so, so different to when there was that bad patch that I mentioned in that season. Uh, but also to what you hear from a lot of managers, managers tend not to to want to play those particular cards, you know, but the, the, a real sort of, well, I quite like it when it gets hard, is one of the things that he, he manages to pull together. Yeah, I guess that's probably why he's, arguably the best manager in the world right just be, to be able to be in that situation where it feels like the walls are closing in and the pressure is building and it can become so suffocating isn't it even as a fan like sometimes when we're in these spells it's so hard to keep kind of having to think about it and think about the problems and think about how to th fix it but he just manages to remain because well, he kind of has to it's his job but he ma manages to remain like the one person who can keep keep calm and keep level heading and know that there will be there'll be the light at the end. And and we saw it in that COVID season. We we managed to salvage the season and have a fantastic end to it, which then set us up for what was a good next season, put us in good form for that. So I don't think it was it's ever a doubt that he's not the one who who could pull us out of this rut. It's just now about, you know, when when is it when is he going to pull us out of this rut? It's it, on on the idea of the rut, you know, seven years in, it, that's a long, long time. Lizzie, you know, and I think that it's sort of in a way it leads us back to a chat about the shape, whether or not he wants to make that difference or has been in the process of making that difference. He's committed to one for much of those seven years. That's been the one he's, he's had a success with. But seven years is, you know, it's an it's an age today. He just casually mentions chatting to, uh, to Martin Odegaard's parents when Martin Odegaard was 15 because he's just been around. You know, you think about how young he is when he gets the Mainz job. You know, seven years there, seven years at Dortmund, and now it's been seven years here. That's a long, long time to be doing what he's doing within football. And yet, you know, he's still relatively young and he's he's still got a, a, a real level of vibrancy about it as well. Yeah, he, it's mad that he's been knocking about that long, isn't it? And do you know what? Even in modern day football now, I don't know of many managers who, who stay, what, past three, four years, you'd say? So like in the Premier League now, is he the longest serving in the Premier League? 
it must be, wasn't he? Because he was second after Deitch, if I'm right. Um, He's so, the second oldest in the Premier League. I mean, that's uh, mad. Behind, that's mad. Behind Moyes. He doesn't feel like me dad. And <laughs> and I feel like that's an indicator of how old someone is. And Klopp doesn't feel like me dad. Do you know what I mean? There we um, are. Whereas Moyes <laughs> could be me dad, but I'd be gutted about it. Um, <laughs> stuck it in. So, no, but this is it. This idea, it sounds a bit like, see, when people say you've got to trust them, you do. Like the fellas being around the block, look at what he's delivered in in, in a relatively short amount of time. I mean, if, if you think about how long it's taken us to win one league and then he, he steps in and does it within, you know, however many years, was it five years? Um, Champions League and under his belt and two finals. And I think what Jürgen brings to us is, is that my level of disappointment now has gone from rock bottom with Roy a little bit higher with Rogers, up to about my rock bottom is is top four. That's what it feels to me, and it feels like that I'm never going to be more gutted about anything else, other than maybe finishing fourth. And and that is a bloody good position to be in as a football club. Now, when you set a bar as high as we have and as high as Jurgen has in competing with Man City and going toe to toe year after year, it's hard not to feel like that's a bit of a failure. I think sometimes, but. You've got to be realistic. You've got to look at what you're competing against year on year. And this year, they do look unstoppable. They've got a fella who's who's made as a robot and there's a petition against them. Um, so you've got to look at the, the relativeness of all of it. And if the fact that I'm, if if the fact that my mindset is where well, I could be shot down for saying this, is that got we just need to make sure we finish top four? Am I worried about finishing top four? I'm not. And that is a position I think we haven't been in as Liverpool fans pre-2015 for a long, long time. So just cherish it, the fact that you're probably going to have Champions League football pretty much every year while he's here. And that brings in some of the most exciting players who want to play for him, the likes of Thiago and all that. Like, he, he's just he's just brought so much and, and he'll continue to bring so much because of who he is. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Fantastic that he's been here for as long as he has. We'll chat more about his shape and about the options that are open to him. Uh, if you are listening to this as a podcast, uh, we will be back in a couple of minutes uh, after you've heard John Gibbons talk to Dorothea Richtoff. Uh, that is coming right now. Three, two, one. And it's John Gibbons for the Anfield Wrap. I'm delighted to be joined uh, in the studio here uh, by Dorothea Richtoff, uh, which I practiced three times before we started. How did I do? On you the did it right. Oh, right. Well, hopefully I do a little bit better uh, with, with the interview. Uh, but thanks for coming in to see us. I really appreciate it. You've been in Liverpool for a few days, first of all. Yeah, I've been here from Tuesday to Saturday, did, doing a little PR tour. Did you make the game on Tuesday night? I did. How was that? Oh, I was amazing. I was really uh, astonished by coming out, seeing the whole crowd, seeing the pitch hearing everyone it was really really cool and then beautiful game yeah nice atmosphere nice performance uh, from the Reds as well good energy um, yeah. to the and, uh, yeah nice to see a win I guess when you're in town one more time nice to see a win when you're in town yeah first time to Anfield so very very exciting got to see Trent make a really beautiful free kick goal <laughs> so that was awesome so you mentioned you're on a little bit of a PR tour and yeah. you got in touch with us about, about something that you got, you're got putting together um, for, for supporters, um, for like-minded supporters to be able to, to get together and enjoy the game. So tell us a little bit more about that, please. Sure. So in Paris in May, I was there for the final and I tried to reach out to other sober supporters or clean because I myself am an addict in recovery. Since five years, I live clean and sober. So I tried to reach out and find some other people and see if we could maybe watch the game together or hang out just because there was a lot of beer there yeah. in the fan zone. 
And I couldn't. So that was when the idea was born that I should start a supporters group for, for people in recovery, people that are clean and sober. Yeah, it was it was interesting because when you got in touch, it was something that that I, I haven't given a great deal of thought to. And, and obviously I'm aware of, you know, people in, who are in recovery and I'm obviously aware of, of places. There's um, some fantastic places in Liverpool City Centre, like the, like the Brink, which actually I think is, is closed down, unfortunately, but was, was oh, the Brink's still going. Oh, great. Um, I'm getting nods. Uh, <laughs> I was, it's definitely under threat, so I'm glad it's still there, um, which is a centre in, in Liverpool. Um run by people who are in recovery and, and staffed by people who are in recovery, but also the idea of, of, of being a, a, a clean bar, if you like. And so so I was I was aware of this, you know, obviously as, as, as a concept of the things that was important to people, but around football, when you brought it up to me, I realised just how soaked, um, to, to, to forgive the pun, in, in, in beer, kind of so much of the experience is and how, you know, that might be quite tough for people who, you know, don't necessarily, you know, want to be surrounded by that. Yeah, and I think it can also be really hard to uh, become clean and like to, to enter rehabilitation if you truly identify as a Liverpool supporter, you, you've done this your whole life, and then you think, how am I going to continue with my life if I don't have beer, or, or I'm going to miss all my friends, and like I'm going to miss this uh, community that I'm a part of. Mm. And that's what I want to offer, like um, an option to that. So yeah, it, it yeah. can be a... A way of at least starting your journey into recovery, like in the in the first year or so, you can come watch the game with us. You can talk to us. Like we're here for you. Well, that's it because I think you know if I were to to decide tomorrow I want to give up beer, I'd probably be like, well, I can't go to the football anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but you're you're showing that you can. And that's a really shame, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in my recovery myself. I am a football fan, but I'm mostly like a true dancer. Like I'm a rave, I'm a party girl by <laughs> heart. So for me, it also felt uh, devastating thinking that I would have to give up raves and parties and things like that. So I had a really clear uh, goal in mind when I became clean that I want to get back to the scene just in a different way. Hmm. Just I want to have fun again. And I think it is possible. And I want to show people that it is possible to like keep your identity even if it's rave or going to Anfield or whatever you're doing that really close to your heart, you can do it. You just have to learn to do it in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that was my vision. Yeah, funnily enough, one of, my, one of my friends did his first clean Glastonbury this year and he's someone who's who's given up alcohol and, and be, in the, in the build-up he was, he was a bit nervous about it. He was like, oh, am I going to enjoy it? And he said... He had a brilliant time and he come back and said, you know, he's enjoying it differently, like you said, but he said one thing that he loved was like early morning walks and just like walking about the place and seeing, you know, Glastonbury come to life really. And he said, normally I'd be kind of face down in a tent or a ditch or whatever. And, and you know, and, and, that, and that's that's fine for some people, obviously still, if they want to do that for, for, for Glastonbury weekend, of course. But for him, he was like, did exactly what you've just said there, which is just just appreciated it and enjoyed it in a different way. And, you know, he was nervous about it in the build-up and now he's like, oh, I can't wait to get back to Worthy Farm and, and do that weekend again. Yeah, and I think uh, to be realistic, for, for speaking from personal experience, it's also that some parts are really beautiful and great, and, but there will also be moments that are tougher for you. Sure. So for me, it's always the moment at the dance floor when I have to leave. That's when I feel like I'm... I'm not a part of it. I'm an alien. I'm different. I'm not allowed to have as fun as others because mm. I have to leave much earlier because now that I'm not doing drugs or alcohol, <laughs> you get you tired. yeah, you get tired <laughs> real quick. That's what, that's the toughest moment for me to be yeah. like, this is my life. I have to accept it. It's time to go home. Yeah. Then once I'm home, I'm happy and everything. And I think going to the football, a lot of it will be fun, but I think it, 
there as well, there will be one moment or a part of the night where it might be tough. And in the beginning, you have to just overwin that a few times. Mm. And if we can be of any help, talk to us through the, through the group, tag along with someone who's done it multiple times before. Yeah. And then you learn that moment and you realize, ah, this is my moment of weakness. I can identify it. And then you don't have to relapse or ruin your recovery in some way. Mm. So what's the reaction been since since you set this up? Have, have people got in touch with you? You know, you mentioned you're on a bit of a PR tour at the moment, so obviously you're trying to get more attention. But for people who have you have met or spoken to or, or, or come across you guys, you know, what kind of reaction have you had so far? It's been such a great reception. People are really positive about it. And I think most people know someone who's an, either an addict or in recovery. Yeah. Like it's everywhere and everyone knows of someone. So it's been really positive. And I've also had a few... Uh, members in the group now, uh, Gordon, for example, he's told me he's been clean for 25 years. He's a longtime Liverpool supporter. And he's like, I really miss this. This has been missing. So from some supporters, it's been great. Um, I've also, the Liverpool Echo did a piece on us. I've been invited to the, the Copite podcast, which was really nice. Yeah. With Mick and Christian, really great uh, time there. And um, then every now and then you have someone who doesn't want to talk about it. And... <laughs> I tell them about it and they're not very interested. Mm. That's the worst reception I've got. So okay. It's been really great. Yeah, so, but you want to grow and, you know, there, there will be so many like-minded people out there who who maybe, you know, like you say, have drifted away from the game because they think it might not be for, 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 for them anymore or, or are going to the game, you know, and have maybe got a, a small community of people who don't drink together but would, would would love a bigger because that's what football's about isn't it it's enjoying it in big groups and so so the more the merrier for you guys i'm sure yeah definitely and our goal is not to change the culture or to make anyone give up beer if they don't want to that's not the mission yeah it's just to be there for the people that have a problematic relationship to alcohol or, or drugs yeah and need a, another way out and we did have our first meetup this tuesday so i'm based in sweden so it's quite hard for me to arrange things but now since i was going here i i did tuesday we were five people in total it was such a nice evening we really enjoyed it all of us and uh, i hope in the future that we can get someone here in liverpool who feels like they are as passionate about this and can sort of be a driving force as well because i would love to get some more regular meetings but it's not really up to me since i'm not here but i do have really big visions for the group and I've had people write to me on Twitter saying, can you start a similar group for Arsenal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you can do that. Sure. Like, please take my idea and copy it. But I'm a Liverpool fan, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but that's it, isn't it? If other people can take the baton and yeah. run with it, then, you know, it could be, you know, as you say, someone in Liverpool setting up, you know, meets here before matches or, or even in, in other cities of Liverpool supporters, you know, you know, guys in in London or whatever sort of meeting up together. Or like you say, other 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 football fans, you know, there's no reason why, you know, if it's if you know, you guys had such a good time on Tuesday night that it can't grow. No, exactly. I, I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been really nice to sort of, you know, to, to, to meet you today and to, to hear more about about the group. And you mentioned they're having, you know, ideas for the future. I don't know if there's any of those you want to, want to sort of share with us or things you'd like to do. Um, well, mostly it's getting more regular people to go to the games together to get a more on a, on a regular mm. basis meet up. Then we also have some, we have a lovely member in the group, her name is Sue, and she's looking for someone to go to the game with, but she doesn't live in Liverpool. So it would also be cool to find more supporters all around the world. We have a lot in America, a lot of in our group. So we're 30 members at the moment, 
and we're quite spread out across the world. We have right. some in Nepal, one in Spain. And they are, of course, also looking for people to meet up with. But considering how many Liverpool fans there are across the world and how many of us have issues with alcohol, I think with time when our when our name grows, Sober Spirit of Shankly is the name, if I haven't mentioned it. Uh, I think we will also attract more members to our group. No, absolutely. And, and there'll be that feeling where, as you say, there's someone in Spain and someone else in Spain joins and then, and then suddenly they have that, that sort of partnership. You, you said there it's called the Sober Spirit of Shankly. Where can people find out more about you guys or, or, or get in touch? So we are on Twitter, Sober Spirit of Shankly. Um, and then you can also email us at soberspiritofshankly at gmail.com. And you can sign up for a monthly newsletter where we update about things going on. And those are the two channels where we're mostly active. Yeah, I, I started it in June, so it's still a <laughs> upcoming thing. Well, you've done so well considering, you know, how how sort of recent it was and, and also, you know, the fact that it's, you know, come, come out of Paris and things like that, sort of real positive from that experience as well. I mean, you know, you said there that, you know, it would have been nicer to have that sort of network in Paris, but, you know, I mean, what a sort of afternoon you know, we, we, we had under the sunshine and that, and that feeling of, yeah. of supporters all together was, was absolutely, you know, forget about what happened afterwards, but it was, was just absolutely incredible. Yeah, and I've actually found out now that we have two other members in the group at the moment who were also in the fan zone in Paris when I was. So <laughs> next time we'll, we'll be together and we'll cheer with our Diet Coke or whatever we're drinking. <laughs> and we'll have each other's support and it'll be maybe a tiny bit easier for us. Yeah. Because you do enjoy being there, but being in a, for us, more like a little bit of a safe environment, you can just relax a little bit more. You don't have to concentrate on staying on your path. So mm. it's just nice to have a few fellows around you. Yeah, you mentioned the word support there, and, and, and that's so crucial in, in anything really that we're trying to do in terms of changing our lives. Exactly, and I also feel like that's the spirit of Liverpool and also of Shankly. Like he wanted, he said somewhere that he wanted to be selfless so that other could not uh, worry and build a family that supports each other. And I think that's what we're doing as well. So Absolutely. Well, best of luck with it. It's been really nice to kind of meet you today. Hopefully next time we see each other, you'll have grown. So it's a 60, 90, 120 sort of who knows. But I'm sure there'll be people uh, listening to this that this resonates with or, or that you know people who've maybe, you know, felt like they've had to step away from the game because, uh, because of a problematic relationship with alcohol who maybe uh, today will be encouraged you know to, to to reassess that to get in touch with like-minded people and, and, and to enjoy football because football is for everyone uh isn't it and, and football should be you know for everyone really and that's you know regardless of, sort of who you are and any sort of troubles you know you might have but it's been really nice uh, to meet you properly as i say um, best of luck with it and 100% record at Anfield <laughs> one win from one so you, you're definitely welcome back that's what we always say you know if you come first time and you win then you're definitely welcome back and you'll always uh, be welcome with the Anfield rappers well. so thanks for coming in thank you very much and now we are back uh, we are back it is Neil Atkinson with Lizzie Doyle with Adam Smith and with Belinda Barty to talk further about this game that is coming up against Arsenal Linda, I said at the start, I think it is the most significant football match of the season so far. Uh, I mean, all clubs, not just Liverpool as well. I think, you know, it's it's a massive, massive, massive test for Arsenal after they managed to fail one of them away at Old Trafford, uh, pass another one at home against Tottenham Hotspur. They now find themselves with, you know, any win would feel like a statement win from their point of view uh, and a win where they play well uh, would do so uh, even more. But 
ultimately, you know, from our point of view, at some point we're going to... The, the really weird thing uh, about the league table uh, for me, Belinda, is ultimately that we've only lost one. I think we're all knocking around feeling like we've lost six. We've only lost one. But the point is, is that there's four draws in there uh, off seven games and draws can kill you if you want to be hunting down Manchester City. So, you know, it, it seems as though Liverpool have got to find some degree of themselves and get something from the Emirates. I'm, I'm confident if Liverpool play well before we get into the ins and outs that they can. Uh, get something from the Emirates but you can't have Arsenal away and City at home and draw them both a draw in each feels right now like it'd be a good result but Liverpool couldn't afford at this stage to draw them both I think as well why some of these those uh, draws or felt like losses but more some of the wins didn't feel the same was because one was like a 90 something minute winner and the other was a 9-0 so there were just such anomalies of winners wins as well like Adam said we had that nice 2-0 dull that's what we want normalize those again let's bring those <laughs> back um, so yeah I think there's that but um I, I I think you're you're able to now frame this part of the season and the manager is now able to frame this part of the season as a chance to really uh start our season and bounce back and right the wrongs of what's been because if you now go to Emirates and then play City and and get two wins all of a sudden our season is you know can can have a real kind of turnaround uh and and so in terms of getting the players up and the motivation and I I think one of the reasons why we were falling short at the start of the season was sort of the press and, and our intensity not being there I think you've got a real cause there to say look we've got a reason now to fight go out and leave everything on the pitch in the next two 90 or Two ninety minutes in the league, and yeah. then the range is on in between, and um, and yeah, and and go and start from now. Like maybe maybe time will tell how how we end the season in terms of the title race and, and where we'll be in that um conversation. But don't worry about that now. Just worry about the present and just going out the next two games because, like I said, it's, it's a chance to really restart. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we can kick on. It's within there, in the press conference, Adam, there's a mild sort of contradiction. And I think it does filter into the, the, the question around performance in a in an interesting way. You know, he, on the one hand, he talks about unpredictability. And then on the other, he enters into this long digression, which I agree with, by the way, that where he says Liverpool haven't been worked out recently, that we were worked out ages ago, but sides couldn't do anything about it. And that's where you're a bit like, so you want us to be more unpredictable on the one hand. But on the other hand, you're saying, don't worry about the worked out thing. We just need to be better at what it is we're doing. And it sort of throws up the question as to what he actually means when he discusses unpredictability. And then within that as well, he's got a little thing where he's discussing sides changing the way they approach when they face us. And it, that's that comes up in Linders' book over and over again. I think it has featured this season, sides doing things differently for the game against Liverpool. I think that's something that they're, they're on to. But this, this, what does he mean and what does he want when he talks about unpredictability versus him saying, but if we do what we should do really, really well, then we should also get results. It's, it's just an interesting little dichotomy he's placed in there yeah it is i i think i think for for me one of the things that i was a bit annoyed about for want of a better phrase um with the manager this season was was his lack his lack of pragmatism i think there was there were there, there were many games where i was looking at it thinking stop asking them to do what they always used to do because they're not doing it at the moment so i think he's absolutely right that teams figured us out ages ago 
but couldn't do anything about it because of how well we played. But we weren't playing well this season. So that, that those two things all of a sudden meant that we were finding ourselves in, in trouble because teams were doing what they'd done, which, as you say, they were changing how they play to kind of cope with what we do, which is what they've done in the past, but previously hasn't worked because we just played so well. Whereas this season, we aren't playing well, so it's been working. And I've kind of thought, stop asking players to do that, that we're not pressing. Like we just haven't been pressing in the same kind of way that we were when it's worked in the past. So stop setting teams up to be, you know, press merchants because because it's just when the press doesn't work, all of a sudden you, you you're really exposed, and we've been really exposed time and again. And one of the big things, just to to go back to it slightly, one of the big things in that Napoli game was that he did say, right, we're going to be pragmatic and we're going to say to Trent. Just be a right back. Just be a right back. That's all you need to do this game. Just be a right back. And we'll put two uh, defensive midfielders in there and ask them to basically be defensive midfielders, not be players who've got to play every role under the sun, uh, you know, in the middle of the park. So so I think you're absolutely right. It's a bit of a contradiction. But at the same time, I think he's he's right in so much as right now, what we used to do that, play, that, that teams had figured out but couldn't do anything about isn't working. So if we can be less predictable, it means that they, even if they try to do something, it won't necessarily work for them because we'll be better at causing them problems with things that they weren't expecting. It's within this then, you know, the other thing that we've got to deal with on Sunday, Lizzie, for me, going to their place. And I think I'd rather have this fixture right now be away than home in one sense. But in another sense, this Arsenal side, and I mean that the, the, this Arsenal football club is enjoying itself. And I think that that's one of the things that's underpinning us. They've been enjoying themselves all year. You know, they don't they don't qualify for the Champions League last year when they probably should. It doesn't lead to supporters turning on Arteta. In fact, the opposite happens. It feels like club supporters, Arteta himself, everyone doubles down. Everyone commits to it even more. And that, to me, is something which... That makes a football club dangerous. When it feels as though like everyone's aligned, it makes a football club dangerous. And and that, I think, is almost the first thing Liverpool have got to deal with on, on, on Sundays. They've got to give Arsenal absolutely no encouragement whatsoever because they already feel inherently encouraged because of everything that's gone on for the last 12, 18 months. Yeah, the confidence sky high, and rightfully so, by the way. And, I mean, Arsenal isn't the, the loudest ground in, in the Premier League, but I think it will be quite right to sort of silence them fairly quickly and, and the team themselves in whatever way that is. And I'm not saying go full, you know, Sam Allardyce tactics, not like that, but just just play a little bit dirtier and, and, and sort of upset the rhythm a little bit because, like you said, they are playing fantastic football. And believe me, I think Alice has just mentioned it in the comments as soon as, as Adam was saying it, all that was going through my mind is Martinelli versus Trent. I mean, that lad is on form. I mean, they're all on form. Jesus really on foot but Martinelli versus Trent is one that everyone's going to be watching and Trent is going to have all eyes on him because he, Martinelli's a great little player and I think he has a really good game against him last season didn't he um and that for me is like a key battle where if we can if we can quieten the likes of him down quite early where Trent will know that they'll be targeting him there they know for the fact they will Jürgen will if we can sort of quieting that down and dampen that down, we might put ourselves in a good position. And I think the panic for me, what what I need to see, not me, like, do you know what I mean? But I mean, I feel like what we all need to see is 
not to concede first for once. Like, it's a really bloody big deal because I'm sick to death of conceding first. What is it, like, nine out of 11 or some something huge? It's, I, think it's, I, I, think it's four, it. I think we've conceded first in, the, in, in 462 of the last 464 games. Uh, it, it's a joke. So the it's stats a joke. say. I'm not the a numbers guy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, like... Last season that wouldn't have bothered me, but this season it's it's clearly having an effect. I think because they're into a little bit of a rhythm now with it. I think where it's a bit of panic stations and like we say, we see the press drop off and this that and the other. They need to just keep calm. Like I say, nullify them for a bit. Keep the likes of Martinelli quiet. Keep Jesus quiet, and just go about the business and and just try not to concede that first goal and not concede it early because I think that will really get Liverpool on the back foot. I'm not trying to do them down. I think we are in a much better position than maybe we would have been a week or two ago. And they need to take what what they've they've sort of learned in the Rangers game really into this game. And I think don't underestimate. Arsenal, like we, we've had a lot of joy there every season, but bloody hell, this is the, the one time we can't underestimate them. I'm not, I don't think anyone will be underestimating them, Belinda, from a Liverpool point of view. Mm. That's another reason why I don't actually don't think this fixture's bad right now. You know, I think if they can get through it, um, get through the first half intact, then I think that from there, you know, not to similar to last season's game, they're playing well. When we go there last February, it was a night game, the crowd was up then. First half's tough, but Liverpool sort of hang on in there and then second half, they, they grab the game a little bit. But the flip side is sort of how good we think they are. You know, Saliba, Erdegaard, he's us. These are excellent players. It's a good age uh, through the squad. I, You know, I feel a bit like we're almost watching Arsenal's warm-up act here this season. I, I don't think Arsenal will challenge City this season. Um, I don't. I think there's a chance that if we don't know, one does. So the Premier League should all be all in on the idea of us getting uh, getting six points from the next two, because if we don't, I don't think anyone else is equipped to right now to to, to, to put in a, a very very big season. Arsenal could, are the closest. It looks like they could prove me wrong, but my point here is that if it's not now, it is next season. I think for this Arsenal side, because I think they are coming to the boil nicely. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's underestimating this Arsenal side. Like I said what one loss this season, I believe, and it was against United and. I I think the thing though for me is it's always like we, it you, you say that the age of their squad is good and it is in terms of the future but in terms of where they're at right now I still feel like they are I don't want to say naive but they're still going to have that thing where they've got players like Ramsdale in and players who who have come out before and like publicly said oh yeah playing against Jota is so difficult because he always gets like one up on, but I think I don't think Ben White's ever said it, but I know Ramsdale's definitely said it in interviews, and it's like th- there's still that element there where we've got those players who they will be looking at and will be scared of. Thiago in midfield, another player who, who you can bet, like so many players in the league see, see him and are in awe of him. If Van Dyke isn't making mistakes, Van Dyke's another one that Jesus would have played against. I think he scored against Van Dyke before, but he will know what what his strengths are, and he will know this. Allison behind him best keeper in the league, arguably one of the best players in the league this season so far. So, you know, we've we've still got that there. It's just about um th- they need to like believe it as well. Like because I think the, the Arsenal will be going into it same thing thinking let's not let's not think Liverpool are rubbish because they won't be. They're professionals. The manager talks him up quite nicely today, you know, Adam, he's, he's, he's on top of them and where they are. Uh, ultimately, I think that this is as I'll say it again, I think the the point about this is Liverpool know exactly what it is they're getting. You know, there's no hiding places here. We played most of these players before. We played them all before, but played the most of them playing for Arsenal before. We got to see how good they were last season when we faced them. We've got to see. They've got the results on the board. There's nothing wrong with big games, I think, at a time when you're a bit wobbly because 
it ultimately is you either stiffen your sinews and deal with the fact that it's a big game or you don't and you learn a thing or two from it. And I'm I'm looking forward to uh, sinews being stiffened uh, from a Liverpool point of view here against Arsenal. It's win your battles and then win the game. Yeah, I think you said before about it being the the biggest game so far this season, and, and I think that's absolutely right. I think it's right across the league, but I think it's very, very much correct as far as Liverpool are concerned because it it being the, uh, the prelude to the Manchester City game is... If we can get away from the Emirates with something, hopefully with three points, it gives them a little bit of confidence headed into City. Flip side, if we can't, I think there'll be a lot of worry and concern about City it, within the squad. I mean, not just supporters, um, because I think right now, I think we're just on the precipice of being able to say we can get our season back on track. I think if we lose to Arsenal, we kind of fall off that precipice and not in a good way. And that that is my that's my worry. But at the same time, I do think that there's uh, I agree with everything that's been said. I agree with what Belinda said about Arsenal and, and I think my thing is they sort of showed last season that they've still got a weak mentality. The fact they didn't get into the Champions League is pathetic to be for want of a better phrase if that was us i would have been furious because they were in the driver's seat pretty much every single game until they weren't and for them not to get cha- top four that's a channel four for some reason um like a bidding for it and um, for them not to get top four um from that position is a real i think it's maybe something that will be in the back of players heads so if we do for example go ahead early i think there will be a thing in arsenal both supporters and the players of kind of going ah we lost to united and they're a bit shit and now we're playing these and they've gone one up against us and last season we didn't win loads of games when we should have and but all those things that come to the fore when you when you're a little bit you know, whatever the whatever the phrase, imposter syndrome kind of thing. And that's what I still think. I think that's what Arsenal need to get over if they ever are going to challenge us or City. And I think we've got a really good opportunity to smack them back down. I don't think they'll be worried about that. I, 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 personally, I think they've almost got a free pass at this one in that the top of the league, they're absolutely flying. They're coming up against Liverpool, who they've, they've always seen as a hard team. I actually, I, I personally don't think that will will be a factor. I do think we can rattle them, and and I don't know if any of you watched the the Arsenal Spurs game. There, yeah. there was plenty of opportunities. I thought where when I was watching, I was thinking like, and I I know Spurs are what I'd be third in the league at the are they at the moment. I still think that we're a better team than Spurs, and I look at like the talent that we've got and our players, and I look at sort of how they were they were slicing through. Like Richarlison was getting loads of joy. Like we've got trickier players than Richarlison, um, and there are there are options and there are, are places for us to exploit. I just don't think, I think like Arsenal won't be absolutely. I don't think the confidence will be shot if they get beat or whatever today, um, or they go down one nil. We need to rattle them, yeah. But I, I think that's just one thing to be wary about because they are flying so high and they do look. I think they do look different to to last season. But that's just my opinion. No, that's. I think that's why genuinely it is all about Liverpool. Have got to get through the first forty-five minutes unscathed. I think that is that. It's the defining factor of the game. It's what are we doing that gets us to forty-five, gets us to half time, and then. The, I think the truth of the matter is actually halfway between you and Adam. You know, I think that the, I think at the minute they do look different, but I think that the, they'll come. There the comes a point when old insecurities begin to sort of settle in. If you if you aren't there, listen. If they start fast, crowds up, and the one up on fifteen minutes, those insecurities aren't going anywhere. And exactly. why I'm looking and why I'm looking forward to this game, Belinda is. 
I think that I think something we struggled with this season, and, and I think it's a difficult one for the manager to talk about because it's 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 something that I don't think Liverpool want to acknowledge. But I think what one of the things we found hard is the feeling that when the game kicks off, we're one nil down. Because every game we feel as though we've got to win. I think we've struggled a little bit under the under the yoke of that this season. I thought it was I know we go and get the goal to make it three two against Brighton pretty quick. But I thought it was really telling that they go two two against Brighton. There's people getting the ball out the net. Like there's five to go. Uh, you know, it was 55 minutes. There was, there was, there was quite literally going to be, you know, there was going to be 40 minutes more football at that point. But in Liverpool's heads, we're at home to Brighton. We've mm-hmm. got to win. We cannot conceive of losing. So three two just feels like one one when we go three two. And this is, I, I think the good thing about playing Arsenal in this game is it kicks off nil nil, and it's actually nil nil. It's just nil-nil, and it doesn't have to be anything else. And nil-nil's fine on 45, not this idea that I think Liverpool have got themselves into every time they play a game of football. Nil-nil isn't fine at half-time. It is in most games, but it certainly is in this one coming up against against Arsenal. Nil-nil at half-time is absolutely fine. Yeah, you mentioned like old insecurities for Arsenal, but equally that can play in for us as well, because I, I guess one of the reasons as well that we haven't really factored in of as why we've started this season so slowly is probably the hangover from last season to go all the way in all four competitions and then in the last two games be be so close to both the big two trophies and not get any of them you know I can't I don't even know what the psychological effect of that is on on the professional players because as a fan I was that was it was a lot to go through so yeah I, I guess there's still hangover for that and and having to be perfectionist for for so long again in that second half of last season um and 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 it's still failing is is probably what what plays into into the mentality you were saying that we have so yeah if someone can remind them you know nil nil you <laughs> keep reminding them maybe every 10 minutes keep keep it nil nil keep it nil stay hang in there yeah we we might be all right but um yeah i yeah i was just thinking like again about the whole end of last season and I thought it was so interesting over the summer as well. Like um, I, when we lost in in Kiev, I, I felt like that summer after was was so different to losing in Paris. Now and it felt like everybody, no one really ac- actually acknowledged that we'd lost the Champions League final. It was just kind of well, it's gone now. We've matured. We've won it before. We'll, we'll try again next year. Whereas the Kiev one really felt like a whole. This was big, like a really big blow. But we can we can build on it. So, yeah, I'm going off a tangent here, but <laughs> this is what, talking about this the effect of yeah end of last season. Um. All right. Then we get to the the game itself, Adam. The manager um mentions the injured players. He doesn't add anyone else to the list. Uh. There's bits and pieces knocking around that Thiago isn't pictured in some stuff. But the manager doesn't mention that. Um, so we'll go off what the manager says for now. Uh, but football managers don't always have to be completely forthcoming uh, at all times. Uh, Jones feels like he may well be close to being able to be available for selection. Robertson feels like he may well be close to being available for selection. Question marks. Uh, well, not question marks. He, he rules out Keita and Oxlade-Chamberlain uh, pretty definitively. For me, there's, there's interest in selection questions, though, everywhere, Adam. I have a feeling he's going to start Canate. Um, it would not surprise me to see Canate start one, two, or three of the next three games. Um, um, I would like to see him start Nunez with Jota off the left and not start Diaz. I don't know if I'll get that. There is the idea of what he might do with the shape. If he wants unpredictability, it's a team that I'm struggling to predict. Mm, yeah, I agree. And I... Midfield still is is sort of a questionable area, uh, given we don't 
have loads of midfields to pick from. And I think if if the rumours about Thiago turn out to be true, that becomes even more the case, doesn't it? Because he, you know he's he's lost another option there. Um, the the there are question marks all over the pitch actually, and I think the I think the two that are pretty much well three four that are nailed on Alisson Virgil. Trent and Samikas are the ones that I think are de- they're definitely going to be in there one in one way or another. Do you think Shimakas will start? I do. Yeah, I, I do. think he'll. I think he'll break his back to get Robertson on the pitch. I, I, I just don't. I, I. To be honest, I thought that I'd seen him say that Robertson uh, still wasn't quite right. I thought I'd seen. He so. was very eager to tell you that he was running on the grass, but then he got a little bit vague. Um, right. So, oh, in that case, then yeah, not even that's nailed on. In in that case, um, uh, I I, I think I just saw somebody say Robertson will be gutted to miss Ibrox. So I, I think that's why I just thought he he was definitely out. So, um, but anyway, whatever. Yeah, it's still it adds to the it adds yeah. to the what what's going on. Uh, Salah obviously I think is is pretty much nailed on. Other than that, it, there's loads of question marks everywhere. And and that, as you say, that adds to the air of unpredictability. I do hope we see Nunez and I do hope we see Jota because Jota loves a goal against Arsenal. So that would be really, really nice. Um, uh, oh, so Lizzie's just said Robbo's out, according to Klopp. So um, I say we'll Lizzie's see. just said, like, we'll like managers are nobody liars. heard a I voice. confirm this weekend, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> managers are liars, we'll see. Yeah, but anyway, look, it, it'll be what it'll be. But I just want what I want to see is I want to see like I, I, so I on um, I hosted AFQ football earlier this week, and somebody said, "Do you think we should just go all out uh, heavy metal football again? Go back to that sort of thing?" And actually, I want to see soporific football. That's what that's what I want us to go for. I want to just just the dullest football we can muster. Kill Arsenal. Kill the kill the crowd, just kill it all dead, and then then build from there. That's what I want to go for because that that will give us the 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 confidence maybe to to say we can beat City. Look what we did to them in the Community Shield, but we have to get back to basics first and foremost. Um, so that's what I really want to see is is defensive solidity because that's what all of Klopp's best teams have been built on is defensive solidity. So get that back first. What do you think he'll pick, Lizzie? Uh, do you think he goes moves the shape back to three in midfield? If he does, he's obviously got to leave one of the four four attackers out. If he does, which one does he leave out? Um, you know, what does he do next to Virgil? What are you expecting? I don't think Canate. Um, I was convinced Canate. My idea, but I thought if we were going to see Canate this weekend, which I really wanted to, I thought we would have seen him maybe get some minutes against Rangers, mm. and he and he didn't get one. So I think he has to go Matup. I think he needs to go with his best centre half, and that's Matup. Um, what's clearly going to be Simakas and Trent, and that, weirdly, it's not the Trent that worries me. I think I think Simakas as well can have a bit of a question mark sometimes defensively, but fingers crossed. I. I think as much as I love the four two three one, I feel like he will do a four three three, and I think he'll just keep that Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago. Obviously, Fabinho was was rested, if you want to call it that, rather than dropped. I don't know. Um, I think he probably needs Fabinho to play in this game. Um, I I just I think it will be. I don't think it'll be as wild as what we think. I don't I don't think we see Nunes star personally. I I think it might be a Diaz. Jota, Salah, a bit of a trusted front three. I, d- I don't know. It's really bloody hard to tell because we were so much better in that formation. But 
I don't know. I do feel like we need we need the cover with the fullbacks, and I think you get that by playing the extra midfielders. And and feels like we've we've got our best midfield back. Yet they probably do need a rocket up them. That is very true. But I think we do need that cover in mid midfield. We do need that that extra. I do think we need the three maybe to help cover Simakas and, and Robertson. That's just my opinion. Wherever he goes, Jota, even Bobby, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think Bobby's probably a sub, but I do think it'll be a three and probably a more trusted front three than it would be with a Nunes. What do you think, Belinda, of what Lizzie's just said? Yeah, I think I agree generally. I think if Kanate is fit, it wouldn't surprise me if he drops him in because he dropped him in last season at like Old Trafford and stuff. So if he was fit, I don't, I don't doubt it. But I don't know about his fitness and anything like that. I don't know where he's at with his recovery. So yeah, I guess Matip. Um, and same with the with the front three. Although I have like really bought into this whole like Jota uh, Nunes Salah front three that you're talking about now so much so that I want to like manifest it. So maybe if I would just keep talking about it, it might happen. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. A, I, 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 there's something about. There's something about. Firstly, I, I like Diaz as a sub, and I think you know, given us the, the option of that. But I also think, I think there's a thing that Diaz does that I think can help opposition defenders, which he just gives them a really clear one v one challenge, and you can win or lose a one v one challenge. But that's what Diaz does. Whereas Jota's movement, the idea that you've got to worry about Jota, Liverpool have got the ball on the right hand side, and Nunez and Jota are able to both attack the ball, uh, whether it's along the ground or in the air. It's just got something in it for me. That's not to say that I don't think Diaz is really good in the air. I just think ultimately having a wide player, I think, you know, I like Diaz when he looks more like a number nine, but I think having a wide player who is a number nine and also a number nine, I think, you know, I I, I feel in a, there's a universe where if they all got enough games, all of Jota, Salah and Nunez would break 20. Whereas I don't know if that's quite the case for Diaz. And I think the other thing in this game we're going to need to be is ruthless absolutely yeah. ruthless and that's what Tottenham weren't ironically Conte's Tottenham were just completely lacking in ruthlessness and I think that when we do get the opportunities to break on them there isn't the room for for the lads who takes it round three and then something just bobbles against them a little bit and it doesn't quite go for you which is where Diaz is and at times I always I feel like I'm being really harsh but it's a you know the old Napoleon thing that I'd quite like me generals to be lucky in this one and Jota feels lucky and mm-hmm. Diaz doesn't um, as harsh as that is uh, that's the way I feel about it but also Jota makes his own luck in the sense that when exactly. Diaz gets the ball when Diaz gets the ball he'll take on a defender but then three times out of five he'll cut back and I don't I think if, if we've got loads of possession then maybe we can afford that luxury of having that type of player on the wing but Jota's going to get the ball and his mindset is every time kick it on someone in the box or flick it on or, or get a shot away and he, he's always going to have that mindset so I, I guess when you're when you're weighing up the risks, I'd go with Jota in that sense. Okay, then uh, it'll be an interesting one. It'll be a fascinating one. Everything that you need on the Anfield app afterwards, uh, video and audio and writing. Download the app uh, to get hold of all of it. But it will be there afterwards, straight on the whistle against Arsenal. I know part of the reason I know it'll be straight on the whistle as close to the whistle as we possibly can is to put another football match at seven o'clock. So whatever it is we're doing it, there's a massive ticking clock uh, in terms of honestly. If this if this is one of them with nine minutes injury time or something, I'm going to be livid. Oh, loads of VAR, Christ Almighty! Uh, it's going to make it very very difficult indeed. So uh, we will be turning things around as quickly as humanly possible on Sunday after the final whistle goes. Listen, thank you very much indeed to Lizzie Doyle, to Adam Smith and to Belinda Barty. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure this tour live this week. Whatever you're doing, enjoy Sunday. Uh, I'll say it again. It's the biggest game of the season uh, involving any team so far. Liverpool are in it, perhaps for the wrong reasons, but that's the hand we're dealt. That's the hand we'll play. A result would feel enormous. See you later. <laughs>